Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Luke's gospel has more faces than any other. There are more people, more proper names in Luke's gospel than all the others. And there are more marginalized people in Luke's gospel than in all the others. But this is the only story in Luke's gospel where Jesus goes to them. I'm reading from chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. Then they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As Jesus stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion. For many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man, entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swineherd saw what had happened, they ran off, told it in the city and the country. Then people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told him how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them. For they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. In my Atlanta childhood, we had a rather limited selection of TV choices. On the dial, I mean that literally, on the dial, there was channel 2511, UHF 17. 46, and if the weather was good, you might get 36. 
Some of y'all remember, right? It was pretty tame. That was all the choices. Daytime TV was pretty tame. It didn't get much more threatening than all my children, Hollywood Squares, or reruns of Maud. But there was one TV show that was off limits to me as a child. I was not to work, watch Dark Shadows, you know. That's exactly right. Dark Shadows, a gothic soap opera starring the vampire Barnabas Collins. It had witches and warlocks and time travel and all the stuff of nightmares, which was exactly why my mother didn't want me to watch Dark Shadows. But sometimes she might go to the grocery store. (laughs) And because it was off limits, I might go to Channel 2 and just... I never made it all the way through an episode because I would get scared and turn it off. (laughs) Sometimes I would get scared of Barnabas Collins. Sometimes I would get scared of my mother. But in any case, I never made it all the way through. But still, the images would haunt me, even though I didn't see a whole episode. Before going to bed, I would double-check that the front door was locked. My bedroom was the only one in the basement, which is eerie enough, but I had to go make sure the cut-off broom handle was in the sliding glass door. (laughs) I shut my bedroom door particularly tight, pulled the covers up close, but I could still hear the demons in every creak and crack and movement of the wind. They were either in the closet or under my bed, I was sure. Well, I'd like to say that as adults... uh, I've completely realized that demons don't live under the bed. But the truth is, if Melissa and I watch something scary on TV, one of us is still going to make sure the garage door's down and all of that. (laughs) There are no demons under the bed, of course. But we do know that evil is real. Evil is not just the absence of goodness. Evil is too aggressive to be the absence of anything. It is a mystery and a reality. Mass shootings in public schools and crimes against children, we cannot pretend there are no demons. They just don't live in the, under the bed. They live within us. In the opening line of a 1923 sermon by Hal Luckock, he said, Every, mind's, every man's mind is a haunted house. Ain't it so? In today's story, Jesus encounters a man whose mind was indeed haunted. Our scripture says that he went opposite Galilee, which is more than a geographical statement. Jesus crossed to be intentionally in the middle of a group of people whom others deemed unclean and undesirable. But there is no one beyond the reach of Jesus' compassion, and he crosses any boundary to love. And just to test the extremes of that love, Jesus first encounters a naked Gentile homeless man. And when Jesus sees this man and he sees Jesus, he falls down and shouts, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. Which is the point at which I would have gotten back in the boat. Jesus 
The demons recognize Jesus. They're tormented by the power of Jesus' presence. And Jesus asked the man, what is your name? And he said, Legion. Because there's so many demons who are attacking my identity. Okay, you and I probably know that this is probably uh, mental illness. But they didn't have the diagnosis or the language for mental illness in the first century. It's unlikely that a first century record of this story would say, as Jesus stepped out on land, a man of the city who had schizoaffective disorder manifesting in a psychotic loss of contact with reality and manic mood disorder met him or whatever. But interestingly, some primitive cultures still refer to mental illness as demon possession, and it's understandable. Aaron J. Smith is a writer, graphic designer, blogger, and in his blogs, he is very open about his struggle with bipolar disorder. He takes three pills in the morning, one at night, to keep him stable and balanced, to help him fight the monsters of the depression, the energy of the mania. He sees a therapist most weeks. He works hard to heal. He is healing, and still it he confesses it scares him to death. And this modern, educated man who understands the power of language describes his bipolar condition as possessing him like some demon. Those are his words, not mine. There are two points I want to make about this particular language, this peculiar language of demon possession. One is that the biblical language is a statement of compassion. It's a way of saying it's not his fault. It's not a choice he's making. Some force has taken over. This is not his true self. But secondly, the mentally ill experience that we see in this story is in its extreme form. But most of us, all of us, know the experience of being oppressed by something that makes us not our best self. We all know what it means to live with forces that drive us away from our true identity. Evil is real. But demons do not live under the bed. They fight their battles within us. Every man's mind is a haunted house. We fight the demons that intend to destroy our true selves. The man in the tombs just happens to have more of these demons in him than most of us. My name is Legion, he said. It's a military term. It's 5,000 Roman soldiers like the ones that were oppressing Judah at the time. In the 1970s, African-American scholar Howard Thurman compared the Jews under Roman rule to his own era under white supremacy. This naked homeless man said to Jesus, I feel oppressed by an entire battalion. 
You know, you know how the, the, the Roman army is tyrannizing our colony? Well, it feels that way inside my own head. But his story and our story are not a difference in kind, only a difference in degree. Most of Atlanta's homeless are severely mentally ill, fighting demons we will never know. And our response should be compassion. Some of you, dressed up and successful, suffer milder, not debilitating forms of depression and mental illness. Some of you in this room fight with the demon of alcoholism or eating disorder. But all of us fight some demons that are trying to destroy our best self. The man who lived in the tombs was being oppressed by a battalion of evil forces that were trying to steal his identity. And the threat, the threat to us, the demons that threaten our identity, may not be as many. But they are every bit as dangerous. And if we are honest, we would confess our minds are a haunted house too. And the evil that battles to win our best self is surely at work. This happened in a small town in South Georgia. Let me take a swig here. It was a small town, small Baptist church. Small staff. They had a full-time pastor, a full-time administrative person, part-time custodian. The administrative person wore a lot of hats. She was the receptionist, the church secretary, the financial secretary, all of that. She was the one who ordered the ink toner when it went out. She was the one who ordered the paper towels, so she had a church credit card. When her car needed two new tires... She decided that just this once, just this once, she would use the church credit card, pay it back quickly. Nobody would know. She was the church financial secretary after all. And she did. She put it on the church credit card. She paid it back quickly and nobody ever knew. So when things got tough a little while later, it was only about $100 the next time. But she used the church credit card and she didn't pay it back and nobody knew. So it just got a little easier. Her, her not best self emerged. The demons were at work one transaction at a time until $10,000 later when she was caught and fired and humiliated and had to confess that her true self had lost the battle. A friend of mine and I met one weeknight after work. We sat in a high back booth to, to guard against the emotion of our conversation. We shared a plate of nachos and he shared his pain. He had just been fired. He was a successful published tenured professor. And it's hard, you know, it's hard to fire a tenured professor, but... When his dean learned about his affair with a student, he had to go. And that night in the booth, he cried 
And he said, I wish I had been a good man. But a demon of insecurity had won that temporary battle over his identity. When people are oppressed, they do not act at their best. They don't act out of their truest self. Now, why would people along the Sea of Galilee be keeping pigs? It's a mostly Jewish region. You know that Jews abstain from pork because it's a violation of kosher and all that. But the Romans loved them some barbecue and bacon. So, some folks in the region were keeping pigs, not acting at their best, raising pigs for profit to sell to the Romans. Men becoming rich from an industry that did not represent their best selves. And a herd of their pigs feeding along the hillside, Jesus gives permission for the demons who were tormenting the naked homeless man to enter the swine. Wild now with demons, they rush down a steep bank into the lake, drowned. It's a funny scene. It's funny in so many ways, but it's a humorous reminder that the evil forces are powerless before the goodness and holiness of Jesus. Well, it wasn't humorous to the men who were keeping the pigs. They ran back into town to tell people what had happened to the swine that were in their care. And the people came out to the hillside to see what was going on. When they got there, they saw the man who just yesterday had been running around naked and out of his mind. And he's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Had clothes on talking sense, eating a bag of Doritos. He was fine. Now, you would think they would be delighted that this man was restored, but they were afraid. And some of them were likely angry. Remember, they just lost a small fortune in a herd of pigs. I saw somebody this week calculated the current value of that herd of swine at about 140 grand. When I was in seminary, I, I heard a professor preaching on this passage, Eugene Lowry. And I just remember one line from that sermon, and it's gnawed at me and it's agitated me ever since. He said, every time someone gets set free, it costs somebody else their pigs. Oppressed people do not get restored without it costing pig owners something. The townspeople let Jesus know in no uncertain terms it was time for him to get back in his boat and go back to his side of the Sea of Galilee. He had done enough in one day to upset the order and their lives. So Jesus is going back to the boat and the man stops him and begs with him, let me go with you. But Jesus said, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And this is a little funny to me too. Because the first missionary to the Gentiles was a day ago a naked homeless man. And now, after the encounter with Jesus, he has his identity restored. 
He was also a day ago shunned from his community, forced to live out in the tombs. But that has been restored too. He's restored back to relationship. Not only in his right mind, but also restored back to be with other people. Return to your home. Our demons destroy our true identity and they harm our relationships. But Jesus has come to set people free from what oppresses them. He has come to save. The idea of God's salvation first introduced in the book of Exodus, the people, the Jewish people are saved. They are liberated from their slavery. And that's what salvation is. It is a liberation from what subjugates us. The man who lived among the tombs said he was oppressed by a legion of demons that were robbing him of his relationship and his identity. And in the encounter with Jesus, he is reclaimed. He is saved. And Jesus has come to set people free from whatever besets them. And evil has no power in his presence. Sometimes evil systems need to be overcome. Sometimes people in power need to lose some pigs so that other people can be set free. But sometimes the oppression is the haunted house that lives in our minds, the demons that threaten our best self and ruin our relationships. And among us in this room, the people I love, those demons are legion. The demons that threaten your identity may not be the same demons that threaten mine or somebody else's. You might fight more of those demons or fewer of those demons than the person sitting next to you. But we all have them and they do not live under the bed. They live within us. But by the power of God and by encounter with Jesus Christ, they have no power. They scatter like wild pigs throw themselves over a cliff, but we must be open to an encounter with the one who saves. The only way to conquer the forces that are trying to claim your best self is the bold and uncomfortable confrontation with Jesus. (laughs) The man in the tombs yelled, shouted, do not torment me. It is an uncomfortable confrontation to risk a meeting between Jesus and our demons. But aren't you ready to be restored to the person God created you to be? Aren't you ready to have your demons confronted so that you can be rebuilt? Jesus saves. And the demons don't have a chance in his presence. And identity and relationship is restored. If only we are bold enough to offer them to his presence. Would you consider that? Pray about that while we stand and sing.
Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church.